lesson for this morning comes to us from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Listen now for God's Word to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth." This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like half the congregation is behind me this morning, so. (laughs) Preaching to the choir takes on a new meaning this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be home for Christmas, you can count on me, or so the famous song of this season goes. It's one of the most popular songs this season, one I think that speaks to Uh, a longing that all of us has during this time of year, this longing to go home. Uh, Sometimes that's all that matters is to be home for Christmas. And home can mean a lot of different things, right? We define home in a lot of different ways. Often the places where we live, our physical addresses, where we receive our mail becomes our home. Certainly I would include the house that I live in with Heather, Axel, and Nora to be my home. After a long day, there's nothing quite like crossing the threshold of the home and being greeted by my children, who still are happy to see me. Uh, I know the day is coming when that's not always going to be the case, but for now, I treasure those moments. And of course, we have that wonderful experience at home this morning of Nora's first Christmas, which of course is a joyous, wonderful thing, and her brother was all too eager to help her unwrap her presents. And I was home this morning. I think we get those meaningful answers of what home means from people who often always haven't had a secure place to live. Habitat Habitat for Humanity asks their staff, volunteers, and homeowners, uh, what does home mean to you? And they got lots of different responses. Kelly, in response to this question, says that home means a future. Once we had a stable home, we could think beyond where we were going to live from week to week, and we could begin to look ahead to where we wanted to go. Home is the base where everything begins. Kathy defined home in only three words, safety, security, and stability. Honey said, home is a place that's blessed, where you and your family can be secure, have all you need, and share your sadness and happiness, where you can help each other as a family. It does not matter how big or how small. I live in a a small room with my two sons, and we share our thoughts together. A volunteer named Chad wrote that since 2007, I have built four homes with Habitat for Humanity families. 
The common thread binding each family was that each home became these families' base for everything. Faith, hope, family, school, fellowship, even struggles and conquests. Home gave these four great families a relief from the stresses of unsuitable or dangerous living conditions so they could focus on what's next, not just on what's now. And finally, Linda wrote, Home is a safe haven and a comfort zone, a place to live with our families and pets and enjoy friends, a place to build memories as well as a way to build future wealth, a place where we can, be, can truly just be ourselves. And whether our houses are big or small, fancy or modest, they are our shelters and our sanctuaries. Houses become a home when we can feel safe and secure, when we have that, that place of belonging, a place where there's a sense of the future, a sense of, of what's possible. It's a place where the anxieties and the stresses of life can pass away. It's also a place where we can share those anxieties and stresses that often are present in our lives. But home is often more than just a shelter. It's, it's often bigger than just our physical address, bigger than just the place where we receive our mail. Sometimes when we meet someone for the first time, the question we ask them is, where is home for you? Which is a little bit of a different question than where are you from? And that can be an especially revealing answer, especially for those who have often moved from place to place throughout their lives. That every place might carry that little special meaning of home for them. I think about the, the first apartment that Heather and I shared after we got married. It wasn't the nicest apartment, and we paid way too much for it. But it became home because it was the first place that we shared together, the place where we became a couple and started to, to form our family together. I think about New Jersey when I was a, a seminary student and that student housing apartment that we lived in that was way nicer than our first apartment, I'll let you know. Um, and that became an especially important place for us as we lived 800 miles away from our closest family, um, especially during the, the holiday season, during the, the Christmas season. Uh, most of you know Heather's a nurse, and so she often worked on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, so we were in New Jersey, um, just the two of us on the holidays, and that became home for us. Um, and for me, home is always when I'm in the city of Chicago, where I grew up. Um, it always feels like home, whether I'm driving down Lakeshore Drive, walking around downtown, even stuck in traffic on Interstate 294, I, uh, or watching the Cubs lose at Wrigley Field. It's this feeling of being home. I'm home whenever I go to the, the little pizza place here in Southfield that serves authentic Chicago-style deep dish. That's real deep dish pizza. No, no diss to all of you Detroit pizza lovers, but that's real deep dish pizza. That's that feeling of home for me. That we long for home on Christmas, especially, I think, because we long for that place to belong. And being home on Christmas can mean so many different things to us. This longing for home on Christmas, I think, is the same sort of longing that God experiences, that God longs to be home. What home means to God, I think, is an interesting question for us to consider. What and where is God's home? I think that especially for any of us who grew up in the church, the answer is that God, of course, lives in heaven, somewhere out there above the sky, some ethereal realm, that God sits on a throne surrounded by angels who sing and play harps for God all day long. Um, I'm not sure how much of a home that would be for me, but that's how we sort of think of God. And the com sort of common metaphor we operate with God is that God is Father, and so maybe God's throne is God's recliner, right? Um, 
he falls asleep there watching golf with a remote on his chest, right? Um, We've been taught to imagine that this is where God is. This is God's home. It's somewhere out there. But even if that's where God is, I don't think that's where God longs to be, especially on Christmas. I think God's longing is always to be close to us, to take up residence in our lives and in our world. God has always had a home with God's people. In the Old Testament, we hear about what's known as the tabernacle. Um, We find it in the book of Exodus. As the Hebrews wandered around in the wilderness, they built this, which is essentially a giant tent for God's presence. A tent is not doing it justice because it's way more ornate. There was way more attention to detail than all of that. Um, We were talking about camping before service, a few of us in the back, and how much I don't like camping. But it seems that God likes camping, (laughs) that this is the place where God's presence dwelled. This is God's home with God's people, that as they are wandering in the wilderness, God wanders with them. There is a point in the story later on, of course, where the temple is built in Jerusalem and it becomes kind of God's permanent address. But the tabernacle becomes a sort of symbol of God's presence, the place where God dwells. And I think, of, I think of it for us as a way to understand it is God's desire to always be close to us, to dwell with God's people. And all of this, I think, is incredibly important um, because John draws from this imagery in his opening chapter of his gospel. These, I know, are for many of you some of your favorite words of the Christmas season. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But right there in that opening chapter of John, it says that the, the, that the Word became flesh and lived among us. Another way of translating is that God, the Word became flesh and made a dwelling among us. That literally God sets up a tent in our world, that God's presence enters our world. Some have translated this passage to say that God tabernacled with us. But this time, it's not a tent, not even an ornate one. It's not a temple. The dwelling place of God is the human life of Jesus, born to Mary and Joseph. The Word, God's presence, takes on flesh and is born in our world. That humankind becomes the dwelling place of God. I think that has been God's desire all along. It is to dwell with us. And so Christmas, I think, is all about God coming home to us. It's all about God coming home to us. That God comes home to us in Jesus. A human life lived 2,000 years ago in some remote part of the most powerful empire on earth. That God comes home to us in those treasured stories of the visitations of angels and shepherds in a manger. This is not a God who is far away on some heavenly throne like a king or an uninvolved God who looks like a benevolent but distant grandfather. This is not the God who presides over some heavenly courtroom, always tipping the scales of justice. This is not the God of abstractions hypothesized by theologians in their ivory towers and their systematic theologies. No, this is God who is Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. Not God against us, not God far away from us, not God out there somewhere, but God with us, God right here. 
If you've ever been to one of my Bible studies, you know how much I love to bring up the Soviet cosmonaut, uh, Yuri Gargarin, or Gargarin, I don't know how to say his name, um, the first human being in space. And there's that quote that he has when he comes back to earth that he looked and he looked for God out there in the space and he couldn't find God anywhere. And of course, all the skeptics and the atheists rejoiced at this whole thing. But to him, I say, of course he couldn't find God out there somewhere in the sky because God is down here with us, at home with us. God right here in the manger. God right here sleeping in the arms of his mother. God right here being rocked in the arms of his father. God right here on the margins of the world in that little town of Bethlehem. God right here in the awe-filled eyes of the shepherds. God right here in the vulnerable and the fragile frame of a child. God right here breathing in the same air you and I are breathing. God right here dependent on Mary for his survival. God with flesh and bone. God makes God's dwelling with us. God comes home to us on Christmas. What a revolutionary, paradigm-shifting thought that God enters our world and dwells with us. The mystic Morton Kelsey once wrote, Our ever-surprising creator knew the depth and potential of creatures that had been created. That God also knew that human beings are far more touched and convinced by pictures, images, and stories than they are by abstractions, concepts, ideas, and logic. God so loved the world that the Holy One entered the fabric of human history as a human being and revealed the mercy, love, and forgiveness at the heart of the divine creator in a way human beings could understand. Christmas is all about how God enters the fabric of human history. Christmas is God's homecoming, that we don't have to go looking for God out there somewhere, but God in Jesus comes looking for us, searches us out, and makes a home with us. And it's not that God's home was with us while Jesus walked around here. It's not that God's address was here on earth for 33 years during Jesus' life. No, God made God's dwelling with humankind. And this is still God's home, that God is found among us everywhere. Wherever we find ourselves out in the field as those shepherds did, shepherds did, there is God. Wherever we are searching and seeking the way that the wise men did, there is God dwelling with us. Wherever we are searching and wondering and looking for our place the way that Mary and Joseph did, there is God. Wherever we are anxious and restless, waiting on the promises of God, there is God dwelling with us, making God's home with us. God's home is here with us. God's dwelling place is with us. And if God's home is with us, then it means that you and I are always home. It means that you and I always have a place to belong. It means that you and I always have a place where we can bring our struggles and our anxieties and our troubles. It means that there is always a place where we can find rest. It means that we can know that we are loved. This Christmas, as you behold the newborn child, know that in him you are home. You are home with God. You are loved. You are held safe and secure. You belong. And may God's home with us fill us with that fullness of hope, peace, joy, and love this Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Amen.